Hello and welcome back to One for Paul, the show where I, the original non-pop culturist, get inducted into the world of pop culture by friends, comedians, and nemeses. And today, again, my high school drama teacher. Welcome to the show. Well, thank you. Um, I'm going to be working on trying to figure out how I can check all the boxes for like the people that are on your show. So There's so you know. many boxes. Yeah, but you know, I'm I'm not a quitter and I feel like if I really apply myself, you know, 2020 and 2021 have taught us pretty much everything is possible. So, including Nemesis. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I'm not that dark. I mean, I'm don't get me wrong. Goth for a long time, but not that dark. <laughs> Troisième partie, le retour. Based on the title, I guess Guy isn't dead. Yeah. <laughs> so, March 19 19- 59, he arrives back at Cherbourg uh, at the train station where no one is waiting for him, poor guy. Yep. He's about to have a bad day. See, he's uh, mm-hmm. shown up to the umbrella shop and it's been sold and is under new management. Cut to Aunt Elise, who is still alive. First bit of happy news we've had for a bit. And she tells him what's up and he is a tad upset. Yeah, and it's always so interesting for me to figure this out because clearly she would have quit writing him, right? Well, evidently she keeps writing him sort of out of politeness or out of fear of disappointing him somehow. Yeah, but by now, considering how long he's been gone and the fact that she was pregnant when he left, I mean, the child would have been born. There would have been discussions of when you come home, when you're tapping, like... Like, how much did he know coming back? Because it's obviously not like she would have not mentioned the baby. uh, It's maybe that he could have mentioned. She probably mentioned the baby, but was like, yeah, he's fine. Listen, what she's done is ghosting. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I think like there was some writing and then I think she just kind of just. So, you know, he's obviously going to the shop and what, what is he expecting? He's obviously got nothing to go on she's ghosted him so what's going on you know mm, but ghosted but him, for him like, to get there ghosted him in a way where he does not know to be like well wait where are you going though instead he's yeah. like oh this is normal communication but she seems like she's mad at me for some reason yeah and all i need to do is show up and we can clear this up mm-hmm. you know exactly. so it's been an awkward year but she's but she's there and when i see her we'll work this out Yep, he's also You know, there, there there's enough left for him to be hopeful. He doesn't come back resigned that it's over over or he wouldn't have gone to the shop. So like what does he what what did she clue him in on before she ghosted? I don't know. You know, he I don't didn't think, even know she left town. I don't think a lot of those details end up being important to the plot, but I but it would be It'd be interesting if it is for his motivation. Like what are his expectations that he's going up to? Like I think how surprised is he that he's gonna come back home? to like his wife and kid or his fiance and mm-hmm. kid and get married immediately. I think that's what he's expecting. Yeah, the whatever whatever has made the thing happen, it's going to be reconcilable and fixable and they're going to be together. Yeah, like he'll be there, they'll like have a, a conversation. Patch. Whatever's gone wrong, two days later, it'll be fine. They'll kiss and make up yeah. and then they'll have a marriage in like a month. He's certainly hopeful when he gets home. You know, maybe despondent, but hopeful. Uh-huh. So yeah. Also, he's got a leg injury, which is, you know, I guess that's what got him discharged. See, they had to choose something mm-hmm. that makes him somewhat injured and realistically discharged, but doesn't do anything yeah. that costs money to remake up. Yeah, exactly. Uh, asking about what's med- going to get him back as a full to the full. Yeah, exactly. Where it's not been a full two years, but yeah, gets him back in time to make this story even more horrible. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, asking about Madeleine, 
uh, Aunt Elise says, uh, tu, es, uh, tu sais comme elle est sage, which they translate as, you know how well behaved she is. Here, I don't disagree with the translation, but you do lose something because the word sage means wise, mm-hmm. but can like also sage. means, yeah, uh, exactly the word sage, like a wise person mm-hmm. is a sage. Um, mm-hmm. But well-behaved is also a thing. Like, soissage is something you'll tell to a child to say behave. So it does mean that. Mm. But it's got like three or four other meanings in French that are all related. And I'm like, oh, no, you can't do it in English suddenly. You don't have a word that does all four of those things at once. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Mostly it's like, you know how wise she is, like smart she is. And he goes like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I know. And just sort of glossed over because what she said was she's well behaved, as in well mannered. Like mm-hmm. she's she's okay. a good girl, right? She's got it. She's got it together. You know what? I got a word. Yeah. She's a mensch. She's a mensch. She's great. I look, but you still don't go to English for that. You go to Yiddish. Yeah, I, this is what I'm saying. But English people will understand what that means, so I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah. English goes yeah. mine now. Yep. There you go. English goes mm-hmm. it mine now. Uh, also, he's getting the news that he'll likely never see his son. Bummer. Madeleine arrives yeah. and is delighted to see him. Can can you not see the smolder? And also, their bees here is uh, very familiar. I have to say, the what? The the bees. The the kiss on both cheeks. Oh, sorry. I was thinking bees. <laughs> bees. <laughs> Release the bees. Oh, that's a very different movie. <laughs> it's also like just put Nicholas Cage right I mean, on in just... there. It just but Cards Against Humanity. It's also referenced in Arrested Development. It's oh, just yeah. a pretty good cultural It is cultural good, but no, La Bise, uh, La Bise is uh, yeah. like kissing on both cheeks. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that's what it was called. I mean, I knew there was a term for it. I didn't know the French term for yeah, it. Yeah, La Bise. Uh, yeah, beso, beso, beso is what you say in Spanish. They do the same thing. Besos. Not pesos, besos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, but this one is very familiar. Uh, either that or he thinks her hips are like halfway up her chest. Did you not see this? Well, you know, he completely cops the field. He's, he's been away. I don't think I did see that. He complete that is not the way that you're supposed to do that. So what? Well, I mean, I have to say, in my experience, that's not anything that happened to me for sure. So I guess I ah uh, yeah maybe I was distracted by her smolder. I don't know. I totally missed that. But now I'm gonna watch for it. Yeah, she's super into it anyway because he does it and he's like, oh okay. Mm. <laughs> That's like her. I, I imagine her internal monologue as Nigel Thornberry going. <laughs> you just made her less sexy, by the way. Are you kidding me? Name me one thing that more is... sexy than the voice and mannerisms of Nigel Thornberry. Inside her head. Yes. Yeah, it's, 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 there's a Venn diagram there. I disagree heartily with your with your analysis. <laughs> That's that's great. fair. The world is a the world is a big place, and if we all like the same people, it would be even uglier than it is now. She continues to smolder super hard uh, because that's her main emotional beat. As Guy goes to his bedroom and puts aside the toy gas station and little toy cars he presumably expected to give to his son. When did he buy this? Was it before yeah. or after the the lady was like, "Ha ha, cool." So anyway, yeah, I'm fine later. 
Well, maybe he had Amazon and he like had it sent to the house while he was away. That's true. That's true. I, it's the, I Fr- mean, it's the French one. Almost like home <laughs> delivery has been a thing for a while. <gasps> Cut back to the garage uh, later that year in the spring, and Guy's boss isn't super impressed with Guy. I don't think Guy is super impressed with Guy. I don't think anybody's super impressed with him right now. Turns out he might have messed yeah. up a repair because I guess his heart isn't in his work anymore. Uh, in any event, his boss thinks that because he comes in to work unshaven and in dirty overalls. Though I have to say, listen, uh, that's what... Mm, the guy has some designer stubble. Chill out. <laughs> also, he's just now come out of, like, head straight in the engine. I think it's okay to be a bit greasy. Yeah. There's a lot of white in that gas station, in that auto shop. Mm-hmm. That's That's a lot to maintain. Yeah, you got to pay the kid to wipe it down every night. Every single night. Anyway, Guy that's has... Like a Mar- that's a Martha Stewart. That's a Martha Stewart auto shop. Ooh. Be- because it looks like a prison? Because <laughs> Snoop is hanging out in the back. That's why. Anyway, Guy has had enough of these shenanigans and quits to live off his pension. Yeah. Uh, storming out, he decides to tour all of the spots where he last was with Geneviève, uh, like this cafe where he quickly sits down and downs two glasses of wine, then argues with the waiter who's not super impressed with this rich soldier boy with nothing but big bills cleaning out his float. Yep. <laughs> that's that's a thing that I guess I mean, doesn't that's... happen in the U.S. You wouldn't get a waiter just being like, come on, customer, you're being unreasonable. Well, that's what I'm laughing with. That's kind of a stretch for an argument. Is that just like a trope to have him have a reason to fight with somebody? Because I just can't imagine that that's like a I guess. I mean, legitimate. I, I guess. I mean, of all, the, of all the universal stuff happening, that one is the least accessible moment. Oh, we've all been there. We try with big bills and we get in a fight with the guy. It happens all the time. I've just told you, here's a big bill. You keep the rest of it. And the guy's like, what? Hey, now. Yeah. How dare you? Yeah. I don't I didn't get that at first and second viewing I was like maybe he's upset because he needs to use all his change to or maybe he's just like you fucking rich boy in which case it's mm-hmm. totally on him. Mhm. So I don't know maybe yeah. there's a lot of I think they're both I think they're both having a bad day is what I think, I think is they're happening. both having a bad day. His next stop is the umbrella shop where the new owner is turning it into a laundromat. He goes into the laundromat where the people hauling the machines are not terribly impressed with why he's there. Uh, he's then off to a bar, uh, where I don't think they were with Geneviève, unless it's the same red room. Uh, and it is. this time, there's a bunch of sailors hanging out here, and a bunch of a bunch of women wearing very little. Mm-hmm. And he declines the first lady who approaches him, and the second one convinces him to enjoy their evening together with her at the hotel. <laughs> next only door. to find, only to find, only to find. The next morning, oh, yeah. what's her name? Oh, yeah. And the next morning, <laughs> he leaves and goes home where Madeleine informs him. No, that... no, 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 no. You missed something. Did I miss something? What when did he, I miss? When he, when he wakes up with that woman of the night. Oh, with Jenny. And she was, yeah, Jenny for Genevieve. She has the same name as the person he's trying to escape. Oh, and she's all like, you can call me Genevieve if you want. And he's like, cool. No, not doing that later. Yep. Yep. So like, you know, no matter what he does. You know, but it's almost like, you know, he, but it is, it is funny because the crowd, they're definitely in the same place, but the crowd is different. But also and, the lighting uh, is different. Yeah. But I mean, it's still, 
it's still, I mean, I'm assuming there aren't a lot of, but the bar is in the same place. It's the same color walls. It's just got to I mean, places change. I think maybe and, you the know, there are, changed, there are port town. But also it's, yeah. all, the lighting is super daylight right now. Whereas in the previous one, it was a very warm color temperature. And this one well, is a very you know, cool it, color temperature. And I think that difference it, makes it look sort of almost clinical sterile. You can see the pores on this young sailor's face. Yeah, and I think it comes down to, you know, everything is changing around him, even the old places, you mm. know. The place he went to with John Fiev to get that drink at the the gas station, you know, I mean, I mean the, the train station, his mm. last drink, that place is, you know, he's getting a fight there. He goes to this place. It's not as romantic as it used to be. He picks up a girl and falls into the debauchery of the evening only to find she is also named this, you know. I mean, so it's just kind of everything is changing and nothing is good anymore. And he you're just pretty unlucky. Change. Mm-hmm. The next morning. And I don't really like, and, he, and he's struggling, but you know, I don't really like him very much right now. I think he's kind of cruel and I mean, he's moody and I, I mean, I get why, but you know, they're, they've not sanitized who the character is or the humanity of his suffering for sure. He's a big old mope right now. And they're not, mm-hmm. they're not hiding it. They're saying, yeah, sometimes good people turn yeah. into mopes when unreasonable stuff happens to them. Yep. And from his perspective, it's pretty unreasonable because we just saw mm-hmm. Genevieve's whole deal from her perspective going, well, what are my options here exactly? And then Guy's idea is, I came home expecting that I would have like mm-hmm. my fiance and kid waiting for me. And instead, I have exactly not that. And they're nowhere to be found. And I don't know whether I'm going to ever see my kid now. Ah! And the And the places that made me happy don't make me happy anymore. And the people who made me happy are no longer here. This is awful. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think mm-hmm. it's unreasonable for him to be this upset, though he's mm-hmm. taken it out on himself in a big way. And I feel mm-hmm. sort of sorry for him there. Mm-hmm. Also, that waiter he yelled at. I don't think he needed to be in that fight. No. The next morning. Tip your tip your waiter, people. Tip your waiter. Uh, it depends where you are. In the States, yeah. Totally. I know. You're ruining my cliche joke, uh-huh. but that's fine. That's fine. Well, sometimes, you know, you just got to, you know, your American, your American tropes just won't work here. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I waited tables until I moved to Europe and was like, they don't make any money here. I'm over it, which Uh was a good thing because I would have kept doing it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I know. So the next morning he leaves and goes home where Madeleine informs him that Elise died last night while he was boinking. Because, of course. Yep. Feelings. So cut to the funeral where only he and Madeleine are in attendance. And uh, there's a lot of people just not going to church. You'd expect, (laughs) like, did nobody else know Elise? Did she not go to church? And people were like, oh, I knew her. She made the cookies on Sundays. It was awful to lose her. Like, nobody? Yeah, I mean, you're right. A lot of the religious stuff is, they didn't pay for any extras in those scenes. It's for sure. Yeah. No, no, no. They, They paid all of the extras to be in the Mardi Gras. Yeah, that was it. Budget budget blown. Uh-huh. They already used them all getting that, uh, you know, shot where the camera's obviously stationary and you can tell people are walking by with cherry blossom branches to look like the camera's moving, but you can tell it's not. I don't hate it. It was a good. It was a good shot. No, I like it, but it was like I mean, it was. It's very. It, but it was a little. It was it was hyper real because you could see like what it was was. It was I don't know. I uh-huh. thought it was funny. It makes oh, me no. laugh every time. For real, it's wonderful. Uh, c- Cut to the next morning, the next next morning, and Madeleine is leaving, except that Guy does not want her to leave, because otherwise he will be alone. And Madeleine says pretty much what you said, which is, this guy's a dick. 
Mm-hmm. I don't want to be around this guy. He's a dick. I, I was, I smoldered over this. Look at yep. this. Don't even blame her. She's not stupid, which is great. Mm. No, she's she's pretty clear on what she wants, and it's not this like mopey lump of a man who doesn't do anything except live off his army pension. Yep. I don't know what kind of rank he had, but like a year and a half is what kind of pension are you get. Yeah. Well, if you're injured, I think you get. Oh a yeah, maybe. I get, it occurs to me yeah. I know nothing about this, so probably shouldn't comment. Never mind. Yeah, no, that one. I mean, when you get disability, it it can take care of you. People oh, okay. can live on that. So he's got a yeah. thing in a leg, which is like the most minimal disability that he can claim, I guess, because again, yeah. they didn't want to have to pay for makeup. Right. Think right. Of, won't someone think of the budget? <laughs> we can't even afford extras for the church scenes. <laughs> we tried. They were all very expensive for some reason. <laughs> a bit ironic. The church is about giving, and yet no one was willing to do it. Cut to Guy in a suit, and also he's shaved now, because you see in the previous scene, uh, his argument was, it's okay, baby, I'll change. (laughs) That just comes down to the aesthetics. And then now it's like, no, actually, though, he's changed now. He's back to his old self, kind of. He's Mm -hmm. sold the the flat, I guess, that Elise left to Mm -hmm. him. I should mention Elise left everything to him in a previous scene. Because now he's got money, and they sold everything that Elise had, and they got the money, and he's bought a popular brand of petrol station. And that petrol station you will also see in a dream sequence in La La Land. Just look for it. It's in the background. So it sounds like I don't even need to watch La La Land now. I'm like, well, I've seen no, this now. No, 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 no. I'm telling you, the original I'm now. giving, I'm ruining the Easter eggs for you. Please. That's all. Okay. Because Good here's the know. thing. Once... Because here, here's, here's what I'm laying the groundwork for. When you finally watch La La Land, maybe you will find the other things and we can just shorthand the conversation because you know that I know about those, but maybe you'll catch the other ones. Thank you. I'm making our next conversation more efficient. Efficiency <laughs> is what we're all about here on, on yep. the program. <laughs> we're an efficient program. That's what we're trying to be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> to, so, was, so he's in a suit. He sold the thing. He runs down the street to meet Madeleine, who is who just so happens to be so orange. I was gonna say, is this the scene of the orange cafe? This, oh god, like, bright, it's so orange, deep, deep orange. Yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, she is vibrant colors, which she really wasn't before, right? Oh yeah, that's she was right. kind of the muted, the muted stuff that was happening, but now browns and navy she's blues. vibrant. Mm-hmm. Also, it turns out that he's super happy, and she's. Not unhappy, I guess. Great, let's get married. Yep. Except that she has some misgivings about him still being in love with Genevieve, except that actually it's fine because he's totally moved on and wants to build a life together. I mean, who even is that person who took his kid from... He's not bitter at all! Yep, nope, totally different. But they do do give her a good dramatic, like, side-swooping face, sigh, looking off into the concrete sidewalk a little bit. Yep, and she caresses his hand for, like, because... For, like, a while, because he's got to sing for a while. Yeah. This is really the only part where I was like, they needed to either make this shorter or have her do something else during it. Yeah. (laughs) Cut to the petrol station in winter, suddenly a year ago, in the present, 1963, and Madeleine is setting up a Christmas tree. she got shorter hair now, and she and Guy share a brief, intimate moment while their son is in the background, 
banging the heck out of an oil can with a spoon while wearing another culture's holy symbol as a costume. 1960s. Yeah. Yeah. But also how, like, every time you have a kid anywhere, they're going to just be doing their own thing. Well, but I mean, you come down to, but like, you know, with him wearing the Native American, he's wearing a Native American headdress, right? Yeah, that's the one. But it's like brightly rainbow colored. So it's like two different cultures, both Native American and gay Native American. (laughs) And I don't. They were called third people, people that were of non-genders in Native American tribes. Oh, I didn't know that. (laughs) Um, I shall shall correct my language from now on. Thank you for informing me. It's called like third nation or third it's, 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 there's some special term for it because they didn't see gender the same way but Fair. even still it was always very funny to me because you know of that time period you know westerns were obviously really really popular entertainment you know i mean i grew up with my dad watching them but they were obviously the ones made from like the 50s and 60s you know the spaghetti westerns and stuff were happening you know the cheaper ones that yeah, were made the over in italy ones. right exactly so um, your introduction to italian things- cinema yeah. So one of my favorite things, though, was when I first went to Paris, you know, I've been living in London for a while, but there's not a lot of Mexican food. And by not a lot, there was like three Mexican food restaurants in London. Period. Probably because there's not as many Mexicans in London as there are in Texas. There are more Japanese restaurants in London than McDonald's, which I think is valued. Like that's that's honorable distinction for sure. But, you know. Um, just random, random notification. But so anyway, I, I did miss Mexican food. And so when I went to, I used to stay in, um, Porto Clichy, which I'm sure I don't make fun of my accent, no, that's fine. but they had, they had the chain of Mexican food restaurants in Paris, but they're called, um, Indiana, which was always weird because Indiana is not a Mexican food place. Like there's not, that's not. It's like someone got an idea and took like this Native American word and American word and like blended and misunderstood the cultures. I mean, first off, the Mexican food, I was all excited to have Mexican food. It was absolutely terrible. You know, as any culture tries to interpret the food you know from your country, it's never what you need, right? But you do it anyway. But yeah, I just always laughed. I'm like, y'all, they call their Mexican restaurant Indiana. And like, it's just hysterical because that's Midwestern corn. I have been It's like to, way far from Mexico. I have been to curry houses and Indian restaurants with people from India and frequently they cannot stop laughing. Yeah. Yeah, and my you know my boyfriend was half when I lived there was half um half Burmese, half Italian, but had like Indian and so we would we would go to places but yeah, his father would I mean you have to yeah, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's the whole point thing. is Indiana Indiana Yeah, Mexican Indiana food. is like a yeah, Indiana is a two days drive from Mexico. And so I just always laughed at the French calling it that. So it just, to me, it showed how pervasive Western culture was. It wasn't just translating to English speaking countries. Like it obviously was a thing. So that's why it made sense for me to see this little kid in that time period with like his Native American. I'm like, well, yeah, Westerns were popular. This reminds me that this podcast is brought to you by Indiana. Indiana, the home of Mexican food, apparently. In Paris, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah cut to winter at the petrol station they're here and they're having a nice time and looks like they've built themselves a legitimately lovely marriage and a happy mm-hmm. prosperous life and man that's so good i love to see happy people in the movies and madeleine is taking and a pristine sorry i said in a pristine elegant gas station yeah you, you know how pristine and elegant gas stations can be uh-huh 
Madeleine is uh, nice. taking their son to go window shopping for Christmas toys as uh, a car arrives for petrol. Uh, what's her son? What's their son's name? Oh, he's Francois. Mm-hmm. What were they going to name their kid again? Uh, Francois, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sure those things are not related. Right? I'm certain those things aren't related because if movies have taught me anything, it's that things are, you shouldn't think too hard. Right. You shouldn't think too Accidents. hard. When's the next explosion happening? <laughs> what, this movie has no explosions? Well, we're at the petrol station. There's still hope. Yeah, exactly. It could happen. And who's in this car but, drumroll, mm. Geneviève and her daughter, Francoise. I do like mm -hmm. how the little girl sees her mom toot the car horn and goes, ha, and toots the car horn. <laughs> I don't like how she leaves her daughter alone in the car and goes into the gas station to hang out. <laughs> I'm sure she's As a fine. mom, I'm like, as a mom, I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> 1950s. Well, and that is the point, because I have memories of being in the car by myself in the parking lot in the 80s. My mom went to go get groceries. So, 1958. I mean, yeah. It was a different time. Yeah. And in a small town, you know, and she knew everybody there, supposedly, and all that kind of stuff. Like but yeah. she knows her hometown. She's from Cherbourg. She's like, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. But my argument is they're getting the gas, right? So the car is off. So her child is in there in a car that is turned off in a snowstorm. That's got to be cold. That's what I'm saying. Eh, she's caught a coat. I don't know. She's fine. I'm sure she's fine. <laughs> this is the mom. This is mom's filter, obviously. I know it's mom filter. <laughs> and I'm telling you, 1958, people were like, people were a lot more Darwinian about their kids. They were like, well, you know, if she, st if she freezes to death, it means that she wasn't strong enough to mother good, good, strong grandchildren. It's going to give her, yeah, it's going to give her a good Gallic spirit. She can just suffer and be fine. Yeah, suffering is part of life. She'll learn. Oh. You sound like, is it Elise? Aunt Elise? <laughs> my Tante Elise, yeah. Oh, you know, life yeah, is you suffering. Anyways, hand me my meds. <laughs> I'm making fun of her a lot, but I actually really dig Aunt Elise. She's kind of great. She's so sweet. Oh, she's sweet. Like, I'm perfectly aware I'm at the end of my life. So, like, if we could avoid fighting forever, that would be wonderful. Thanks, guys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so he's suddenly confronted with uh, the ghost of Christmas past here. And she is not smiling very much. Uh, they briefly yeah. make some small talk. And yeah, how have you been? Uh, I've not been back to... This scene is not about dialogue. They're saying stuff, but mm -mm. none of it matters. It's all glances mm -hmm. and subtext. And mm -hmm. the, the text is not important in the least. The actual mm -hmm. words they use in the topics discussed, who cares? Yeah. Uh, except for and, when Geneviève asks him whether he wants to meet his daughter, he does not. Yeah. Or at least he doesn't think yeah. it's a good idea. Yeah. And I kind of agree. Yeah, that's a really complex thing because part of this is your chance. It'll never happen again. But will that torture you and make you work, make it worse? You know what? I mean. I, I don't think I would want to. I don't think I would yeah. want to. I think I would be saying, you left, man. You took this from me and I'm... What am I going to do? Take it back? There's nothing that's going to happen after this. Yeah, but see, I'm the person who's kind of going, if this is my one chance and I don't take it, will I regret missing this chance you know, forever chance if this was what? my only chance? Chance to do what? Say hello to a kid who says, I like fire engines, and then you're done? Yeah, I don't know. Just a picture. I don't know. And, and, this, and this moment, all of a sudden, 
Well, we'll have to watch. It's well, we're very much at the end. Well, no, I know it is the end, but what I'm saying is there's definitely a fantasy sequence in La La Land. And oh, so like in this. my head. I see. No, not quite the same. No. Do they no, do the it, it's not a, out from the gas station? It's not like a straight parallel that way at all. Hmm. But, you know, it's the idea that's represented of the opportunity to think about what could have been. Um what kind of the ghost thing. of what could have been is, I think, right. what she is to Guy. This isn't a real yeah. thing. This isn't life. This isn't something that's going to continue. It's not her coming back and saying, I would like you to be part of our daughter's life. It's her saying, yeah, I'm here it's by an accident. accident. She didn't realize. Out of politeness, yep. I should offer. Yeah, it's exactly. Your decision. And, you know, can and how conveniently they set it up to where, like, you know, his wife and his son are gone. You know, and so it sets up the moment for it. But yeah, I mean, you're right. That scene is not about the dialogue. There's no overt acknowledgement. Of anything. And no blame being placed. Enough of it. It's just all about tension. It is that classic French tension nuance. Just a raw scene. And it took us an hour and and 20 minutes to get here. And the entire buildup was for this mostly quiet moment. And I love it. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, and this is where the high school boys stand up in the seats and scream at the film and get accusatory and point fingers and just rage about what's happened. And I'm like, that's, that's right. That's interesting. I got you invested. Yeah, what's it interesting blows my to mind. me is which it, which it, part it, are they are in your experience are the American teenager boys saying he absolutely should see his daughter? Is that what it is? No, they're they're angry at her. She finally shows back up and they can scream at her for what she did. You know, they're angry and they're like, you know, how dare you and how, you know, you're they're, – they're angry at her. He's like resigned to it. Yeah. So they're like angry on his behalf. He's resigned. He's moved on. But, you know, he's also had years. I guess and, that's you know, right, yeah. Anybody, process, anybody processing this film, I mean, that's one of the things that I always talk about stories and films and books. I'm like, you know, this is like – you know, simulations, you know, they, they create things, they, they play and get emotional hooks with you. And the point is we watch these stories because we learn these lessons without suffering the consequences of them when bad decisions are made. You know, it's like by getting us emotionally invested, we, we create a sense of empathy with the characters. So we feel their emotions, which teach us the morals of our society and what's right and what's wrong. And so that's why they talk about like fiction, reading fiction or engaging with fiction helps with your social intelligence because it helps you understand other people. I mean, I've got an American teenage boy watching a French film from the 1960s, totally sung, and they are invested in these people because the emotions are relatable and... You know, they want justice. They're still fresh off the wound of what she Mm. did. And so when she's back on the screen, there's a place to dump that anger and anguish, which he has already gone through. But, you know, it's just proving. Oh, yeah. He, you know, the magic of storytelling. He was two glasses of wine and at least one prostitute into his loneliness by the time he got better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and uh, then his aunt died. So, I mean, it was just like, let's go ahead and get him to rock bottom so he can find a reason to pick himself back up, you know. So yeah, I mean I the the film I think is is visually beautiful unlike anything else I've seen. Even when La La Land plays with color, it's on a much more muted scale, but you can see the references to it for sure. Um 
But, you know, you rarely see color treated that way in films. You, I mean, you've talked about how the dialogue mm. is Super these longer intricate. bits. You know, everything Super is done. Right. If and, I may, though, we only have one and, bit um, of thing that still happens in the movie before we wrap it up. Uh, she gets in the car oh, and yeah, leaves yeah, yeah. without paying. At oh, no point does yeah. she pay. <laughs> At no point does she get out her wallet and go, here's well, for that, the gas. But that's kind of like the point of the whole movie, right? Like, what does she pay for considering what she's done when you think about it? I never noticed it before. She should probably pay right. for the gas she bought. Well, she should definitely, for sure. I mean, you're definitely right about that. But there's no, like, repercussions for – I mean, you understand the choices she had to make. Oh, no. Well, here – And it's not like they're not – they're not both happy for sure. Oh, but, I understand. You know, Everybody had good reason you know to at do the everything end of the thing. at all times. And that's why it's hard to hate anybody in the film. Like, I don't hate Genevieve. She, she had to do what she had to do. And this yeah. is why I'm really surprised to place. hear that there's a rea- there's a common reaction, which is, no, nah, fuck this lady. Yeah, no, but that's what it is. They're all like, she wasn't low because they have the luxury of knowing he came back and he could be, he wanted that, right? I guess that's right. Yeah, they, they sort of jumped to the part that the audience knows and not the part that the characters know. Right, exactly. So I, I feel also coming back to your point about the, I think most stories are ultimately morality plays, at least the simpler mm-hmm. ones. Mm-hmm. And then you get a story like this, which is not straightforwardly, this is what's right, and the good people believe this, and this is what's wrong, and the bad people believe that. Don't believe mm-hmm. that. Believe this instead. Look how good everything. Instead, it's everybody had good reason to do everything that they were doing. It still ended up fine, I guess. Uh, nobody got ideally what they wanted, except arguably Madeleine, who got like a really, she got a good deal out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess Roland. Renan sort of got mm-hmm. what he wanted. I, I don't know. It's hard to get a read on him. I guess he says he wants it and then he gets it. So he's pretty happy. Uh, yeah. Mum, she got what she wanted. But the two people involved in the relationship, they're like, eh, I guess that I guess that's fine. They've made the most of their second choices and there's always going to be a sense of – but I mean – but I wouldn't he, even argue that – I mean you're right that a lot of stories happy. are morale – a lot of <clears> – yeah, and I think so. And you obviously want that for him because – I mean, he seems he's real who happy. you're rooting for because he was wronged, right? So Yeah. I guess for him, but, it's a different journey. He was wronged and he's now made a nice life for himself. So it's easy to be like, ah, come on, fuck that lady. Whereas that her is, journey the, is she had to give him up in order to secure her own life. Yeah. Right? I mean, we're, we're, and the life at a certain of her point, child, we're talking and that, life and death, right? There, yeah. 1958, there's not exactly a welfare state in France. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and all the cliches of, you know, an unmarried pregnant woman and all those cultural things that go with that and how much harder it would be. But like, I mean, and, and you're right, it's not a straightforward morality play, but it is almost what, but I mean, it's still the idea of what's right and wrong isn't there, but it, it's the lesson of this can happen to you and you can still find happiness. And yes, there may always be like a tinge of what if, but that's a common thing yeah, and people life. survive, people survive it and it's life. So it gets back to kind of, what is it she says, you know, to be sad is to be happy or, or however she paraphrased it, you I, know, I, and so. I now wish I'd written that down, but I don't have it written yeah, down. Yeah, all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, I want to find out exactly what New wants to funny thing she says because that kind of encapsulates the ending, right? There's a sadness to it, but everything's okay anyway. Yeah, well, this is, I think, also the French outlook on life, which is like, yeah, yeah. everything sucks, but whatever. Have you seen the opera? Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, they're... I don't know. I I just love stories that 
don't have American endings. I really love foreign films. I really love them. There for were that so many parts just... in this film that could have been a Disney. They could have absolutely oh. gone if they had not here. So that we should wrap up then in the actual wrapping up segment. Uh, that I was good. I, that was a good movie. That was a good movie. I normally don't like musicals. This felt like an opera. I don't normally like opera, but this was really good. Uh, lots well, of the late motif stuff, but not. I didn't really get any big memorable musical numbers, which actually I appreciated. It felt like a sort of meander. Mm-hmm. It is wonderful, and there though. isn't really like a shift in the pace of the music either. You know, there's not like super fast and super slow. It's just kind of you're right, like a meandering pace to all the, to all the music. You know. But also the motifs were real subtly blended in a lot of places. Not if you're doing late motifs the lazy way, it's Darth Vader shows up on the screen, dum bum 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 bum, and that's great. Mm-hmm. We like it. What you want is for then later when you're at a scene where you're looking at Yoda and he looks at the camera and you go bum 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 bum. bum. That's what the late motif is for. It's, oh, no, Yoda might be evil. Doesn't actually happen as far as I know. But in this film, it's this person has their own late motif playing. And also there's another characters and counterpoint going along with it, indicating that they are thinking about that other person or that as the audience, we ought to be thinking about that other person. And that is glorious. Mm-hmm. That is something you cannot do in a non-musical medium, and I am happy to see that here because it's finally made the point for me of like, okay, musical's good. I understand why you blend the story and the music now because you can't do that without this. And it captures emotion and things like that for sure in a, in a different way that isn't just relying on I – mean, because what's funny is like the color is very vibrant, right? But this film is not like your main notes of... are the colors and my main notes well, are the because... music. Well, no, but I was going to say, but the but the tone of the film is not like a joyous, vibrant film, right? Mm. So it was like this juxtaposition. In parts, it absolutely is. is. Right. But what I want to argue is rarely do you see the colors match the mood, right? Yes, there I agree. It was its own separate thing. It was its own separate thing, its own separate style stuff. Um, I mean, and we all know that I'm a – well, we – you know that I'm a crazy music junkie and so – um, well, you like that one music and then the surrounding music around that music. Well, no, I just mean music in general. So, no, oh, of course, also know. that I was mostly making yeah. a, like, don't you have a tattoo of David Bowie's face on your own face? Uh, yeah, it makes it a lot easier when I'm trying to like go pick up the royalty checks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The fact um, that after the first two parts of the of the movie, we don't really see Genevieve again at all until a single short scene at the end is kind of genius. Yeah, because it's like her point of view of what's happening, and then the after stuff is all through his eyes, you know? I mean, they don't even repeat the same experience, you know? It's not like, well, here's what was happening in this time period to her, now let's see what was happening to him. Which is a perfectly fine way to structure a a thing, but I think it would have weakened it here, because all that was happening to him is being in the army, and then he gets home and he's confused as to why his fiance is not there. Mm Mm-hmm. And you see kind of the hard emotional journey happening to her in the beginning. And then you see the hard emotional journey for him, which is the after effects of it all, you know? So, I mean, it is a very complimentary setup structure for sure. And the switch to Guy's point of view, who is dealing with her decisions badly, Mm -hmm. to say the least, uh, I mean, at first, 
Uh, then he manages to move on and build a life for himself. That's quite the journey he goes through in not even one act of a story. And it's also interesting to think about. It's quite clear that after she left, she never made any efforts to reach out to him and give him updates. Like, she was like, I'm not an interesting place for her to be because, you know, I didn't really like him as he was suffering in the end. Mm. But I never blamed her for what she was going through and what she did, what she chose. But mm. then afterwards, you know, I am kind of mad at her because it's not like her kid. It's almost like her kid probably doesn't know that that's not her father. I mean, that's quite clearly what's happening. And probably right? won't. Yeah. This is just another child being raised and you will have no part in it. And I don't owe you anything despite the fact he really didn't do anything wrong. It would have been very easy to stick with one or the other throughout and be the American movie and be like, look, this person was wronged and therefore look at the morality play. And instead mm -hmm. they, they do exactly not that because they're interested in what is the human experience of this kind of situation. Mm -hmm. It's the situation. Which might not be happening to you, but it's not an experience people can't imagine, mm. you know? So maybe that's also know. a I cultural just... difference between the French and the Americans, at least in movies. I really do think that an American director would have stuck with one perspective to tell a much more straightforward love story where love conquers all. Hmm. I really do think that. I can't think of an American director who would be happy with this sort of like, ah, I'm sh it's probably Passing fine. Passing the baton, shutting it down, yeah. Yeah, instead yeah. it's like refreshingly Gallic. The ending is happy, but also eh. And then the audience might have expected or hoped something different, but we also get to be like, ah, I guess they're fine. Uh, Guy is um, Madeleine's first choice, but she's not really his first choice, but he's making the best out of it. And he does seem to love her, which is great. Yeah, they seem to genuinely have some kind of affection and a good life and happiness in the end. Which, you know, you want him to be okay because he was dealt a pretty rough hand, you know. By Geneviève, who in a lesser movie mm -hmm. would have been the villain, but mm -hmm. in this movie is not a villain at all. She's a main character and... Also, we want the best for her. So can we have mm -hmm. the best for both of them? Well, not really because, well, there was a war and stuff happened and uh, all right. Yeah, they're both just victims of their circumstances and cultures. And I suppose so. That's just it, really. But it's a beautifully done film and I think it's very sensitive and it picks up on a lot of nuanced kind of, you know, internal struggles and... So I, I love films that are heavily stylized, as you can tell as I keep mm. harping on them, right? I love when you blend, like, high art choices with, like, really interesting human stories because you don't often get those things elevated, which that's my note for watching Moonlight. They took, they took content that is normally portrayed one way in cinema um, for a certain audience, and then they made it arty for the other audience that would probably never watch a film about a, uh, African American male in the ghetto. And so by them making it this arty film, all of a sudden you're bridging these two cultures and you're making the high art crowd have empathy with an experience that's not in the kind of stuff they would traditionally pick up. And so I just think that storytelling can be so powerful when you find a way to kind of blend two disconsonant things and really, you know, I mean, again, I was teaching at a school with 97% free and reduced lunch full of, you know, a lot of kids whose parents were not born in America and, you know, Difficult everybody could situations. connect to the story. Yeah. And yet that human suffering, people can all connect to it. And so 
you know, you get the cathartic thing from going on journeys in films like this, but it's also artistically done, which makes it more joyful for me. I don't know. I just, I just adore this film and no one has ever seen it that I know. And when I did watch La La Land. I love that you have gone through an elegant analysis of this film, which you finished with, I don't know. I feel like that's rather underselling it. (laughs) I think you know exactly. Well, and I think it comes down to, well, I think I was trying to say, I don't know anybody else who's really seen it. And I just feel like it, it's such a rare combination of things you don't see, especially in a lot of American films. So I love that. That's why it was part of the inspiration for La La Land, because I felt like it kind of shined some light, shone some light on this piece that clearly had some international appeal when it came out, but is kind of this forgotten, I feel like this forgotten jewel, because you're right, when you mentioned it, people who put it on your radar were other film nerds. Oh yeah, absolutely film nerds. I love my guys. They're great. So, you know, so yeah, I don't think I would ever call it pop culture, but I think it, I think it's a very exciting piece to have experienced. And again, I'm imagining, I'm just imagining a, a movie made by an American where Guy gets back from war and he resolves to scour Paris looking for his lost love and then finds her yeah. and they realize that they are in love and then Disney ending. Right. And then they have to figure out how to unravel what they've done. Oh, yeah. Um, just as a little quick side note, the there is all, well, I was told this by my friend who was a director, hmm. but there's only been one time where um, you've got a French film that was inspired by an American film to where the French adapted it from the American story. Oh yeah, and that's the beat. It's the film called I'm, I don't know it in French, but it translates to the beat that my heart skipped. Huh. And it it came out about fifteen years ago, but it was an American story first, and the French people liked it so much that they were able to interpret it for themselves. And it's it's a really good movie as well. Mm-hmm. So. I'll have to add it to the list. Yeah. Anyway, well, I love talking about stories like this because you helped me realize things that I hadn't realized. And like you found things that I had missed, but also talking to people about these things, that's what builds commonality, right? It's like the English teacher and me getting all geeky about it. Oh, for sure. I think stories matter a lot more than a lot of other stuff and a lot more than we give them credit for because they do act as sort of cultural third things. Mm Mm-hmm. It's third things are the way that we relate to one another. It's the way that we communicate when we don't know people that well, which is most people most of the time. This is a delightful project, and I'm really glad you're doing podcasts like this. It's really fun. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you for being on the show. I don't suppose you have any of your own projects uh, to plug or maybe something uh, of somebody else's that you'd like to plug. I mean, my daughter's selling Girl Scout cookies, but that's it. <laughs> You're right. I ordered some from aqua- from across the Atlantic, not realizing that shipping would be six times the cost of the cookies. <laughs> yeah. God bless you. <laughs> I promise to order cookies if the shipping gets less expensive again. Well, they're all doing it online and they're ordering, they're shipping them directly from there. So I don't even know. But uh, hey, that's the only thing that I have worth pitching because at this point, you know. I mean, we're all just treading water right now with this coronavirus stuff happening. Suppose that's right. Welcome to current year where that's happening. (sighs) That's our timestamp. 
I'm not at the point where I'm traumatized when I watch things in their crowds. I'm like, why are they in a crowd? I'm like, oh, because it was. Oh, I tried so hard not to bring that up every time I saw people doing anything closer than two meters apart in this movie because I had to go, wait, hang on, brain. No, 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 no. Past. Yeah. This was the before times. Yeah, I know. But I mean, it does it. It's, it's, it's made me nervous about scenes that should not be causing me any distress at all because I'm like, why are the crowds? Oh, wait a minute. So that's the episode, unless uh, you have anything else to close out with. No, but thank you so much for the delightful opportunity to like really deep dive and nerd out about a film that I think is um, an exceptional piece of art. Well, thank you very much. I'm glad you were here. I hope we'll get to work together again soon. Uh, For all of you listening, if you'd like to support the show, then you can do that at patreon.com slash one for Paul or just search one for Paul Patreon and you'll find it. You can support me for as little as one pound a month. It it would really go a long way. That that first little bit always is the most difficult to get. And I do understand that it's tough for everybody right now. If you can't, honestly, don't worry about it. I put this out for free for a reason. I want people to listen. I want you to listen. Please keep listening. Uh, yeah, and whenever you're in a position to throw me a couple of bucks, I would love that. And it would really help the show keep going. If you can't, in the meantime, then the best way to help And actually, the best way to help most of the time is just tell people about the show. Say, hey, have you heard this guy who says things about movies? Because I've never heard that done on the internet before. (laughs) Catch you later, y'all. Bye now. Okay, bye, everyone. (laughs) You shouldn't think too hard. When's the next explosion happening? Be.